Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 225 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's episode, we have a bit of a different format. With the passing of anti-transgender legislation in Arkansas and a rash of similar bills introduced in state legislatures across the U.S., I wanted to offer this platform as a place in which transgender voices in our cycling community could be heard. My goal was to step aside and let anyone who came forward have full reign of the show. I I didn't want to be the person leading the conversation or asking the questions that would place the participants in what I believe is an all too familiar position where they have to do the heavy lifting of explaining who they are and what's going on and why it's so bad. And I I think what you will hear succeeded in that. It it was more of a discussion in in impromptu working group and airing of grievances and and overall a, a productive and engaging conversation. The participants in this chat are Molly Cameron, who is a bike racer, former bike shop owner, advocate, and longtime player in the cycling industry. Tara Saplavi, who has worked in the cycling industry for years and is most recently the senior tech editor at Bicycling Magazine. Uh, Tara also hosts her own podcast, the Pink Blue White Podcast, which you can find at thegravelot.com. Austin Killips races cyclocross for the Pratt Racing Team, and she is also a bike shop mechanic. And Evelyn Sifton, a road and crit racer for Shadowily Racing, who brought a Canadian perspective to the conversation. If you are new to Cyclocross Radio, welcome. Uh, We are part of the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network, which you can find at wideanglepodium.com. Please take a look at the other shows we have on the network, as well as a YouTube channel, and consider becoming a member to, to keep the content coming. Okay. This is episode 225 of Cyclocross Radio. I am handing the show over to Austin, Evelyn, Tara, and Molly, and I'm doing that right now. Hi, everyone. My name is Molly Cameron, and I'm here with Tara and Austin and Evelyn to have a conversation about the anti-transgender and anti-LGBTQ legislation kind of sweeping the United States in dozens of states. But in particular, there's a laser focus on Arkansas because the Cyclocross World Championships and a Cyclocross World Cup are going to be held there, you know, this season. Uh, You know, Tara and I have already done a bunch of media. I've done several interviews that have been put out. Um, So one way we could start talking is you know, I don't expect that everyone's read everything that's been written and all the articles. Um, I was, you know, I was first contacted by the media basically to get a response to the call for a boycott of not only the race, the world championships in Fayetteville, Arkansas, but of the whole state. And I think that was the context of the first couple interviews I did. Um, I know Tara was also quoted in, in a couple and, I'm just curious if, you know, if any of y'all thought I missed anything or if there's anything I didn't cover or, uh, you know, anything you think that in the messaging and my kind of reaction to this that you would have liked to see me do or say. 
The only thing that comes to mind for me, and this is because I am not a cross athlete, I am a road and track, um, is a call on USA Crits as well as USA Cycling. So USA Crits is hosting events in Arkansas this year, um, and they have not responded. They didn't post for Trans Day of, Visibil Day of Visibility. They haven't done anything to acknowledge um, that they're hosting races in several states that have introduced anti-trans bills. Um, as someone who races on that circuit frequently, uh, it was, it's been disappointing to see. So that's kind of my two cents coming from an outside across perspective. Yeah. Um, I want other people to comment on that, but literally uh, the dude that runs USA Crits is like on my, on my list of next phone calls to reach out to. Um, but related to that, uh, I've kind of been waiting around for people to reach out to me because I'm out and I'm open and I'm really easy to find. And I'm obviously involved in this, you know, again, it was, I'm really in it because of cyclocross, but you know, I run a, I run a pro women's team that races USA crits and does all these road races. And I'm kind of, I've been waiting over the last two or three weeks for these races and event promoters and people to just reach out to me for anything. And it's, it's, there's been a few, but it's been crickets. So, you know, the USA crits guy, I'm, I'm, you know, say it, publicly you know what the fuck man why haven't you reached out to me you know there's there's plenty of transgender men and women racing and not all of them are out um and this is an issue oh god i've been talking about this stuff a lot but you know this is just an issue that the bike industry and the racing uh you know establishment needs to be able to talk about and they're just not i mean they're talking amongst amongst themselves and making their own decisions and, and I hear you because I'm so aware of that. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say his name. He's easy enough to find too, but yeah. like he's I on my list. I correct myself. I just pulled yeah. up their calendar. They do yeah. not have a race in Arkansas, but they have races in several states that are introducing anti-trans right. bills and they need yeah. to put out a statement on it. Yeah. Uh, Canadian, Canadian here don't know my U.S. Yeah. geography too well. <laughs> and I, I do think that Tiffany Thomas had called that out on a Cartier Nation podcast earlier in the week as well. So it's definitely something that should be on their radar. This is not, I mean, it should have been on their radar quite truthfully, you know, the last three months since we've all been running this up the flagpole, like, hey, hair on fire, people, this is coming, pay pay attention. Um, but I think, you know, kind of to the, to the point of what Molly was just saying about, you know, bike companies or, <clears throat> the bike industry with big old like air quotes around it, um, not coming to any of us directly, yet talking to themselves. I don't even know if they're talking to themselves. I, I think that this is similar to what we were all seeing happening 10, 11 months ago when they were just having their, they had their head in the sand, just kind of, waiting for the problem to blow over, thinking it was going to go away. And I think there's a lot of that happening right now. They're waiting for something bigger to eclipse this so that they can then worry about the fire of that and that and just hoping this will go away. Because ignoring something seems to be a lot easier than actually doing something. Because if they say something, then they might be held to account for it. Yeah, I, I get the sense that a lot of the brands want to, like, show up 
which is, I think, this kind of nebulous concept that leans more into the performative than the political. And when you start getting into the realm of like what is like a series of like actions that we can do and what can we kind of organize around and like kind of pick our pressure points, you start to like, I don't know, it falls on deaf ears because it's much easier for brands to and just have these like sort of visible marketing messages around this because those are, um, I mean, they're posts. <laughs> they are not um, pulling money or like anything that like, yeah, affects their bottom line or like affects like how they're pooling and where they're putting resources. And aside so, from one major brand though, I, nobody has stepped up to say anything. Exactly. So, um, and it's not even the one major brand, right? It's a sub-brand of the major brand. Right. I just say, even personally, so I have, I've had sponsors share stories, but nothing more concrete, nothing that's a post, nothing that's a statement, nothing that's, you know, a concrete game plan for how they plan to combat this or stop sponsoring events, you know, held in states with anti-trans legislation. It's just been like, a, oh yeah, like we'll come and say like, you know, yeah, we agree with this or we'll repost this to our stories, but stories are temporary. Like you need something concrete and permanent if you're going to take a stand as a brand. And so this is, I'm in the same boat where, you know, I've got a couple dozen partners and sponsor brands and I'm pretty proactive with reaching out to them. So as soon as this happened, and I, that, I think that morning I drafted an email just to let everyone knows everyone that pays my bills and gives me product to say, Hey, I'm going to be in the media soon. Here's the issue. And I'm going to keep you posted, you know, and immediately got a bunch of like, you know, oh, we support you hundred um, percent. With that said, there's still a bunch of my partner brands that haven't responded or said anything. And, uh, but a, a lot of them have reached out and given me personal, like, you know, we support you 110% and, you know, go do the good work, but that's different than a brand putting dollars to, you know, consumer facing marketing, you know, whether it's on the, even on the web, even a post that's static and lives there forever or print media or hiring people. And I mean, literally terror. I'm just like, I hope, I mean, it's, that's fantastic that bicycling hired you and congrats. I already texted you. It's like, that's so awesome. Cause that is what needs to happen. I'm like hire trans people work with trans folks, hire them, work with them, engage with the community. Um, and I'm just like sharing my personal experience with all of my sponsors because I do, I'm old. I'm really well established. I, you know, I've been around for a while and uh, within the bike industry and the bicycling establishment, I feel like most of these brands are comfortable with Molly Cameron. Now, whether they're comfortable with me as a transgendered woman or they're just comfortable with me as like a bike racer dude that might be gay or weird or something and we don't know, but like they're not causing too much trouble. So whatever, uh, it's... The dynamic I've seen is a bit of this deer in the headlights thing, even with brands that want to be allies, they just don't know what the hell to do. And, you know, the demographic that runs cycling is this 45 to 65 year old straight white dude. And, you know, they're so afraid of reaching out and asking for help. And it's, it's something that I see as, you know, I don't want trans people to have to do more work. I don't want people of color to have to do more work to explain themselves and, and to bring white folks to the table and do the right thing. But for somebody like me where I'm old and I'm established and 
you know, I'm here to do that work. So I have been behind the scenes the last four weeks have just been nonstop, you know, phone calls and yada, yada, yada. Um, but that's also something that I feel like I would love, uh, you know, there's a lot of variables here and I, I'll stop rambling, you know, and I think one of them is visibility. But then I say that, you know, I want more trans people in positions of power at, at businesses, you know, again, whether it's cycling or other sports or retail or anything, you know, I want people in brand manager positions and in manager and you know, leadership roles. But then also like, I don't want trans folks that aren't out to have to bear the burden of coming out to like do this thing. You know, I really do. I mean, I've been advising, you know, like these trans youth and young adults on the side with that they're, they either have a team or they work for an organization or whatever. And they're kind of being singled out as like the trans person that needs to advocate from within. And I'm like, it's okay to be anonymous. Like, you, it, you know, I know you feel like you want to fight this fight. If I can do it for you, just th put it on me, you know, because like, you know, again, like I have a lot of privilege at this point, partly because I'm so fucking old and, you know, I have a good relationship with my partner, you know, my family, I have a stable career and stable living situation. And like a lot of trans folks don't, uh, particularly in all of these states that have this, you know, these bills and now laws. So I, uh, I would, I want to hear what some of you think are appropriate ways that you'd, I mean, whether it's you personally feeling comfortable or suggestions for, you know, the, the demographic that runs a cycling establishment to actively engage with trans folks. Uh, and basically I'm like, you know, the, the easy way to get, you know, rich white guys to do the right thing is to make them feel really comfortable and make them feel good about what they're doing. And at the end of the day, I'm looking at, this is the long game. This is like a very, you know, this isn't going to end in a week or a month and trans folks aren't going away. And also bike racing is not going away and this discrimination is not going away. So, how can I really start to sow the seeds of, you know, some, if not acceptance, uh, awareness, you know, and, and, you know, whether it's in my lifetime or in the, the next, we'll, we'll have more of these people that run the cycling establishment more aware and less afraid to like do the wrong thing. Because right now the bike industry and the racing infrastructure is just paralyzed with fear. I mean, and you, they're head down in the sand waiting for something else to happen, um, you know, or just act, frankly, I think they're just waiting for the ACLU or somebody to sue and for this to, you know, eventually go to the Supreme court, but it's they still, don't realize that takes, that takes yeah. years upon years. Yeah. There it's, I, I think so, some, I'm certainly at this point, I'm, I'm starting to feel almost cynical about it, right? Like the first couple weeks, all right. Okay, maybe it took some, take them some time to get their ducks in a row, perhaps, you know, perhaps their, their, uh, their PR firm was on vacation or something, right? But um, now it's, we're, we're three, four weeks after the fact and it's still been crickets from everybody. Um, we haven't, as a, as a community, we haven't had USA Cycling, we haven't had the UCI, we haven't had Event Promoter, 
really reach out to us. We've had to be the one causing a ruckus, right? And even then, they haven't actually said anything. They've, we've, <laughs> I think, I think some of us have been on, on those, uh, those wonderful USAC calls that are just utterly performative. There's lots of listening happening, but I, I don't think it's, it's, it's past the point of listening. It's the time for doing. It's been the time for doing for months now, but nothing's Almost. actually happening. And it's, um, it's, it's listening. It's like the DEI section of USAC. Um, you're not talking to the, uh, the, the 45 to 65 year old white dudes kind of who at the, the head of the industry, um, who are making a lot of the decisions and are, yeah, I think you're very right, Molly, like kind of incredibly afraid to say the wrong thing because it is a fraught world like and saying the wrong you know people are afraid of being canceled people are afraid of like massive backlash and afraid of like really a, a discourse that is unfamiliar to them and i'm like i i'm not i don't know if sympathetic is the word but i i understand where that that fear and that hesitation comes from and i think the fact that we're always sort of in conversation with sympathetic folks who make up like these like DEI boards and stuff um, and not with the people at the head is, is an issue. And like, God, yeah, those USAC calls, like I just, I remember like the, the one round table that I was able to participate in. It's like the, 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 the USAC official, like it's, I, it, they, I, it just was not lost on me that there was um, a, a black woman facilitating the conversation. And I was like, you're not the one who should be like shouldering the burden the day after the CEO just made these incredibly insensitive remarks. Like this is like, I realize it's going to get filtered up in some capacity, but this is a very weird space and a very weird way to facilitate these conversations. It feels very abstracted from like the, I don't know, from the powers that be. Well, not yeah. to mention the fact that they, they decided they were going to have calls and discussions about trans people without inviting trans people to be part of the discussion. Yeah. 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 I mean, someone had to, I mean, I think I told you this Tara and Bill that USAC didn't reach out to me. Somebody else had to reach out to USAC to reach out to us, which is wild. So it's obvious. I mean, this is the thing too, you know, like, okay, that's a reality, at least right now. Um, I don't think it, I mean, I did tell Rob on a phone call, I was like, I don't care who the CEO of USAC is. No one's, we have never had a USAC CEO that anyone has liked or has really gotten anything done. Um, and so, you know, don't take it personally. It doesn't really matter. Um, and it, it's so strange because when you look at USAC, we're kind of looking to them. I can't remember who just said it and it was a quote and it was just that like USAC is a, licensing and insurance agency that's all it is usac doesn't put on races you know usac will have these policies but it's 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 kind of usac usac's got a funny role and they get vilified a lot i'm not defending them but ultimately i'm saying it doesn't actually really matter that much like if this organization doesn't represent us and isn't doing the work for us I mean, I definitely have stepped away in the last couple of weeks. Um, I spent two weeks, basically almost every day in contact with USAC and they didn't do anything I recommended. And 
you know, and this is all after someone else had to reach out to them to tell them to talk, reach out to Tara and I, and I, I don't need to sit on these calls. I mean, thank, thank both of you for doing it because like, I don't, you know, people have been like, well, what, what are you going to do? How are people going to know what to do if trans folks aren't? Um, and I, my response is they already know what to do. We don't need to talk to them about what to do. Um, that is a little abstract because I know that some of you want to boycott Arkansas and want to boycott um, certainly cross worlds, if not the World Cup and anything in Arkansas and all events and all this stuff in the state. Um, and uh, I'm not saying that's right or wrong by any means. I mean, it's a tactic to have in your arsenal of like actions. How do you, how do the three of you feel about that? Just like in this moment, you know, it's been about a month, it's been three or four weeks and go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, I'll let you finish. And then no, that's it. I just, it's been a few weeks. Uh, the dust is kind of settling. And I mean, literally today I've been on calls all day and, you know, I keep saying it's a, a very liquid situation. Like yeah. things are moving. Things are sometimes feel like they're moving really fast, but they're mostly moving very, very slow. And, you know, how do y'all feel about Arkansas and Cyclocross Worlds? And what do you feel like are the next steps for each of you personally? So I can't speak on a personal level because, again, not a cross racer. Um, but I find the power of boycotts is incredible. Um, sorry, Americans are going to have to help me out. North Carolina or South Carolina? Which one introduced a bathroom bill like three, four years ago? North. I think it was Thank North, you. yeah. Um, North Carolina introduced a bathroom bill. They pulled it not because of, um, you know, public outcry or activist groups. They pulled it because the NCAA threatened to pull a basketball tournament out of there. Like, sports boycotts have power. Um, and I think, did, I think it says so much that, you know, by be pulling out a major event that brings in tourist money, that brings in um, like revenue to local businesses with people coming in having those events move state because of bills has more power than any of us sad it's sad but i think that's the truth i think that the corporate powers that be have more power than us collectively yeah I, and i agree like just to touch up on that when i i'm having so many conversations with people in organizations in fayetteville and on the ground in little rock and in bentonville and you know uh both the money behind these events and you know, I kind of have said, I've kind of basically tuned out of USAC and the UCI is just not involved. Um, and I'm really trying to hear what the people on the ground feel about that, uh, about a boycott. And if like, you know, the thing with the boycott is it has to have momentum and, uh, and a mass. And then the other thing too, that you said is so true. I mean, this isn't just the only way a boycott works is when you do have a major ball sport or the NCAA or a major league sport kind of behind it. And um, I don't think we're there yet with this. Um, but I think a, a little factor in that is that a lot of these bills are still being considered in states. I mean, there's, I think there's only been four or five that have signed any of these into law and there's been a few that have shot some of them down. And it is a bit of a waiting game to see where all this lands. I don't know if this but is going to be a few more weeks or what, but yeah, go even ahead. And if you're waiting, you can put out a statement saying that if you sign this into law, 
right. you will leave. Yeah. You don't have to wait for it to happen to do something about it. You can be a part of trying to prevent it. Right. And the issue in Arkansas is there's not really a lot of other stuff besides the NCAA that are, you know, beholden to uh, people like to say the Walmart and the Walton's money um, and the state. So it falls on cycling and cycling's small. I mean, there's money in cycling, but it's small potatoes compared to everything else. So Mm -hmm. now, uh, you know, I, I I mean, I've said, you know, boycott, I'm not saying it's not off the table for me personally and like what I want to advocate for, but if I call for something like I want it to be effective, you know, I think you saw people trying to boycott Giro a handful of years ago because they had my, uh, a gun manufacturer was part of the parent company. And that just like didn't, nothing happen. It was like a boycott on Instagram for a week and then it went away. Um, no, no, actually that, that helped because it eventually it got the parent company to talk about divesting. Right. Yeah. It, it got, I don't know if they actually it. did, but no, I but remember. It, and, and there was major, there was a major retailer in REI who stepped up there. And I think MEC might've stepped up in Canada as well. So there's, there, there is some, you know, there is some weight behind it um, in boycotts, even in the outdoor sports world. Um, I, I personally, and I, I said this, I said this on previous podcasts as well and, and online is that I don't think we're, I think we are, still months removed from talking about boycott. I don't think we're there. I think we're still at the point of we need to be very outwardly talking about you're going to move this event. Like even if it's Jedi mind trick, you're going to move this event. It has to be, there has to be some weight behind this um, because there. I have seen nothing out of, and again, yeah, okay, <laughs> USA Cycling, um, <clears throat> because there are domestic mouthpieces for this. Um, we saw nothing previously out of Brooke, and now, yes, we know Brooke has stepped away. We saw nothing out of out of Brooke noting a, a potential for a move, nothing out of USAC, nothing out of the UCI, nothing out of the local org, nothing out of the the Walton family. You know, that's, I think that's where we have to push. Yeah. And say, you can move this. And we know USA Cycling can move events. Like quite literally this afternoon, they tweeted that they're moving a track nationals across the country. Right? Like, let's, I mean, they're moving it to the, you know, they're moving it to to, to the Villager and they're moving it to, uh, to Pennsylvania, to Lehigh. Like, let's have Nittany... Let's have Nittany Worlds. I think that would be separate. Well, but, and um, the, the issue here is that you Joan know, can do that. USAC has no. They they uh, they they have very little effect on this because it's a UCI event. So the way I've understood it, talking to people on the ground, is you know, um, now that Brooks out, they're going to put somebody else in to promote it, and the event's going to happen. Don't, don't you worry. Everything's going to happen. It's going to go off. Great. Everything's going to be great. Um, I think I agree with you. I think we're months away from a boycott. I think it's important to talk about, and that's kind of why we have been talking about it, but like I kind of circling back to what I was saying earlier, how do I make, 
how do we make the money behind this event, which is, you know, Walmart and the Walton money and the sponsors, you look at the UCI sponsors, Shimano, Santini, uh, and some others, how do we make them feel good about doing what we want to do? And then, um, you know, I'm also not dead set on the event moving or not happening. And that's something I'm trying to talk about too, is whether it's good or bad, what does this look like in three months when we're about to go into October in the first world cup and everything is just full steam ahead. So I like to have plans for all situations and that way I can anticipate and expect and not just be constantly reacting to all this shit as it goes down. So if everything just moves forward, and nobody does anything, what's the best case scenario for, again, not only transgender folks from all over North America, but the LGBTQ community in Arkansas? And yeah, I mean, go ahead. I think the best case scenario is the trans woman wins it. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Are you going to make the national team? You better get to race oh, across. Absolutely then. not. Um, <laughs> but just putting it out there for y'all, um, those of you that I know race cross, I would love to see a trans woman win it. That would be just, that would be some great, like poetic justice. It that's, would be wonderful. That's actually not a tactic that I had considered, but it's absolutely one that could be on the table. I could. I mean, you know, I could see you sat trans woman the, on the podium. Let's, well, let's, you know, they they win it. Like they could make a diversity uh, hire to the national team, and you know, it might be an interesting for them to make uh, an exception for my lackluster results over the years and put me on the the U.S. women's team. Maybe we'll bump Ellen Noble, and I can take her spot. And um, I think that will go over really well. I think that would be a really really good plan. Um. <laughs> It's, it's, it's your it's your it's your big retirement year oh god you and katie, you and katie at the same yeah year. me and katie i mean that's gonna go over great well but i'm but, sorry i had to interject with that um i also which want to I, ask one quick question real real quick walt um walton's family with owns walmart also owns rafa correct oh yes they own love a lot of see, stuff love to see some pressure on rafa on this one then there's That's so funny. much interesting, uh, I would say, history, but also history there. And this may be like a conversation for another time, but the Waltons own so, I mean, we toss around the word, you know, the Waltons, the Waltons, the Waltons, uh, you know, in general, billionaires and rich folks will do things through proxy. So they have okay, okay. So organizations. Like, Feel free to scrape this from the record. I just wanted right. to put that question out there. Well, no, I think it's really important, actually. And, you know, I, I kind of laugh because this whole time, like since this started happening, the first thing I thought is what the fuck do billionaires care about? Because when you figure out how to move the needle with them, then we can see change in the direction and like the actions we want to see. You know, I, I know I'm not naive enough to think that screening at them boycott boycott and like having a couple thousand queers and trans folks in Bentonville protesting at the race isn't necessarily going to move things forward in, in a positive way in the long run. It may be beautiful at, in the moment, but so I'm like, but this what is, what, oh, yeah, go ahead, please. No, I go ahead. I, say is that this, like the thing that's the biggest pressure, uh, like, so let's just back it up and say that the, the Waltons are actually really into cycling, right? It's not just that they own a bunch of bike stuff. 
they're passionate cyclists. They and apparently I haven't ridden with them, but from a couple of friends I know who have, they're, they're like they rip, like they'll they'll tear your legs off. Yeah. Right? They can actually yeah. ride bikes. Um, it just like lots of other things, it's peer pressure. It comes from the community, um, right. and they're they if they're not seeing that coming from that pressure coming from their cohorts within at least the cycling sphere, right? Other rich white dudes um, who own bicycle companies, who are influential within the upper echelons of pro cycling, to them, they're not hearing it. We hear it because bubble. We're in our, our echo chamber. Our friends are in this echo chamber as well. But if they're not hearing it, that's where us talking about this, that's why it is important for the Shimano's, <clears throat> the SRAMs, the, the, the competitors to Rafa, right? Shimano owns mm. Pearl, like things like this, they need to be stepping up. Right. Yeah. And, and this really directly ties back to what I was saying about the deer in the headlights. I mean, I've spoken with dude that runs shimano north america who i consider a friend that shimano has sponsored me for over 10 years and you know hey i'm an ally i support you 100 percent, and i don't you know i can't i don't understand this struggle and i don't understand like what we can do or what we need to do kind of thing also uh you know this is not totally off the record but you know it's just the same thing repeated over and over and over again at all of these bike brands. At the end of the day, all of these people, mostly straight white men have jobs. A lot of them have families. So they have like other shit they're worried about and they're not going to stick their necks out for, you know, what they think are some social justice warriors and this issue that doesn't really seem to affect them. So it's this wild thing because it's so nuanced and the right thing to do seems so obvious UCI just needs to follow the anti the non-discrimination rules and language in their charter and their rules and, you know, figure out whether they're going to cancel or move the event because there are laws in the state. It's that simple, but yeah. that's not going to happen. But we also see the same UCI that runs events in yeah. countries with human rights abuses. So yes. I have so very little money talks and, and money moves everything. And Tara, you're completely right peer pressure i mean what what do billionaires care about power influence uh their egos their legacies their brands but they have people managing their brands and they have you know uh so i have actually been really trying to get on a ride bike ride i was like you know like a few weeks ago i was like i just need to go on a mountain bike ride with these guys like i'm really good at making old white dudes feel really comfortable and like kind of breaking down barriers and we just like hang out and go on a bike ride and i don't it might change nothing you know but then there's a face to this struggle. And I, I like to think I'm someone pointed out to me today, actually, I'm relatable because I was trying to be a fast bike racer. And that's something that bike racing and in the industry can relate to. They can't relate to young queers struggling. They can't relate to trans women of color being murdered from their reality, but they can relate to Molly Cameron because Molly Cameron tried to race at the world cup level in Europe. And that's, it's wild and it's horrible. And it's a weird like privilege I have because I have been there and now I can relate to this community that 
you know, I can't relate to because I don't have a lot of money and I'm not an old straight white dude, you know, and I'm like, but they can find some common ground with me because in a way, I think at the heart of the bike industry, you know, most people were racers or they worked in a shop and they kind of, they, you know, we've all kind of like lived a version of the dream. Um, so I, anyway, I'm, I'm really trying to leverage that to basically just get an intro to the Waltons and start there. I mean, literally if I have to fly to Arkansas next week and I can set up a fucking mountain bike ride, I will. And go from there might be nothing friends out there i can send i can send some messages and see what i can do for you (laughs) i would i would love it we all know people down there we can we can let's get this trending yeah well no go ahead austin i i think it's easy to sometimes see that as like overly optimistic or something or naive but i do i'm really with you on that where i do think like finding like i don't know forging connections and finding those like spaces where you can like have a, you know, empathy is really important. And those relationship, you know, you might have to be intentional about what parts of yourself you expose and what parts of yourself you highlight. But I do think like that, that is really, really important. And I think you're earlier, you were talking about how like you're willing to sort of take on that burden. And I think it is important that like those of us who are in position, like these privileged positions where we have solid relationships with families, have solid relationships with teams and the the, the businesses that these teams, um, if we feel like we have the capacity to, the capacity to do it, like starting those dialogues with people. Cause that like social media and posting and kind of organizing boycotts is like one tactic and one strategy, but like making people comfortable and also knowing when to make them uncomfortable and <laughs> being kind of tactical about that is that that's how you move the needle in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I know like I, I had this happen with the the Shimano rep who came into our shop recently where we were kind of having casual conversation. And then I was like, so what's the, what's what's the vibe at shimano like what's what 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 are you hearing what's what's sort of the the tone around around arkansas and uh he was kind of like flabbergasted and got quiet and the the conversation didn't go any further um and it was awkward (laughs) um and that i wasn't necessarily trying to like put him in a spot but uh you know he reached out to me afterwards and kind of started a dialogue about it about being like hey thank you for saying something thank you for putting up with it being a little bit weird um i'm starting these conversations with with people in the company internally and kind of doing doing what i can to take our conversation and bring it forward into into other people at the brand um so i think it it's important to have those conversations and i i I applaud you for being willing to just like yeah i'm down to go on a bicycle ride with you and just talk yeah and and honestly it's really good to hear you say that austin because it uh Certainly with the pandemic, I feel like, you know, we can all relate to just like being home. I'm in my studio and office and I don't, you know, we're not at races and events. And I'm, and even though I'm on calls and emailing all day long, I'm really not having FaceTime or even something like this mm-hmm. with my peers, you know, and, and people in the community. So it, that helps. It really does help to hear that. Cause sometimes I'm, I mean, I'm so self-critical and I'm second guessing all this, these things I'm scheming and thinking and planning and, um, I, uh, I really don't want to center. I mean, I'm really conscious about not centering myself in this, like uh, this, I mean, what's funny. I actually talked to Jeremy powers today and we haven't talked in a while and we were catching up all kind of relevant to this larger discussion and some other stuff and just 
you know, he's a colleague and, you know, a pal from racing. But then we were talking and he's like, yeah, this is kind of your life's work. I mean, this is like cyclocross and being transgender and the bike industry and racing industry. And like, yeah, this is kind of your thing. Like you need to, you need to get after it. And like, yeah, this is all you for better or worse. And I really don't want to center myself in this, like as much as like I have to do social media for my job and being an athlete and like, you know, and Twitter, last thing I ever want to do is tell people to read Twitter, but I'm like, all that stuff is really, really important. But I mean, you're right. It's relationships. And I mean, even you telling that rep and then me talking to the dude that runs Shimano in the U S well, the more they hear it from all sides and being the broken record, it's, you know, Tara and Austin and then the sales rep, and then there's another guy and then there's a media person. And I mean, Tara, you're so right. It's been weeks and the industry hasn't said shit. And even athletes haven't said shit. I mean, of all my pro bike racer friends, uh, like few have reached out to me three and i'm like are you fucking kidding me like you know i don't need like you to pat my back or to call me oh how you doing are you okay but i'm like this is like a human rights disaster like this is fucking horrible are you guys fucking kidding me like you're not saying anything like uh yeah but and i i've had i've had a, a few people reach out to me but it's 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 the usual suspects right, right. like it's the people who it's the people who probably would reach out to me regardless, right? right. Like they, 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 we just stay in touch um, no matter what. Um, I, I think that some of the, I think this, it's a two sides thing, right? Um, in that the hesitancy that's happening right now doesn't need to be happening by the bike industry because if there ever was a time from the, supplier manufacturer perspective to sit back and just say something it's now and the reason is is that they don't have any product in their warehouses there's nothing on well maybe there's some stuff sitting on boats waiting to come in but everything's sold from now until a year from now so they don't have to worry about potentially offending customers because everything's sold and there's an endless supply of it from the supplier perspective, now is the time that you can say, honestly, whatever the hell you want. From the retailer perspective, and this is where I have to give Austin a whole heck of a lot of credit here, is I've actually had a couple of retailer friends say to me before, or over the last couple of weeks, like, I'm afraid to say anything because I don't want to rock the boat. Because they are just, they don't want to get that supply shut off, right? They can't have an order shut off. They can't have... Um, a vendor turn their back on them because they, they need that product. Um, but now's the time where the suppliers can stand up. They can do something. And, and I just, to interject and add to that, just what we've been saying, they don't know what the fuck to do and they're afraid to do anything. So I'm kind of on this mission, this education mission and that's a lot of these phone calls i'm having and and now i'm kind of past this like two-week threshold i was like i'm gonna wait for the dust to settle a little and i think people will start reaching out to me and you know like i'm not gonna chase people around and now i'm like well fuck i'm gonna have to chase people around so i've been calling you know i'm gonna reach out to usa crits i'm gonna reach out to i mean all these people that haven't been talking to any of us behind the scenes it's like fuck it 
it's time for me to reach out to him. And um, for the most part, I haven't had anybody come with a negative, you know, people are just afraid of the, and I'm speaking, say people, I mean, the industry and the establishment, they're just freaked out by the boycott first. And then it's an issue they don't understand. Like they don't know. I mean, I had the, my, you know, my, my, uh, dude that runs point S tire and auto and my, my main sponsor pays my bills. Like he dropped by and he was, he's a very busy dude. He was like flying to somewhere and, I, I got five minutes. Give me the, what are the talking points? What do I need to know? Like, I have your back 110% no matter what, but like, what do I need to know? And I was kind of like, look, it's different in every state. Uh, you know, there's healthcare laws, there's women sports laws, the language is atrocious. So it's this like weird, vague moving target. And that's really, really, that's great for the right because that's how they're able to sneak a lot of this through. It's really horrible for people that are in these businesses that may want to do something or craft a message because we're so close to this, but I haven't been able to like, you know, besides being like, this is all really bad. This is really bad. You know, like tell these States not to vote for this stuff. But a lot of these companies, they're not set up for that. You know, they're set up to like, you know, we saw black lives matter, hire an ambassador of color and do a photo shoot and launch their new product with some people of color on it. You know, they don't, they don't re- actually, and this is not an excuse. It's almost a challenge for y'all. And like, I, you know, I'm, I don't consider this a working group yet, but I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm so open to other ideas and different ways of approaching this. You know, I'm not saying my ideas or thoughts are the best way, but I'm telling you that, and Tara can, t- and you know, in, in Austin too, you know, in the bike industry, bike shops aren't set up to like be advocacy orgs. Neither are distributors, neither are sales reps or brands. Now, granted, the bigger brands have media people, they have PR firms, but clearly all those PR firms need to be fucking fired because no one's doing anything. I mean, literally like whoever, I mean, I know who USAC's PR firm is and they should be fucking canned. Are you fucking kidding me that any, uh, any of that messaging got out? And they reached out to me and were like, hey, we want to pay you. And I called them back and I was like, it's too late. Like you did the damage. Like I don't actually even have a strategy for you now. I don't care who the ceo is i don't care if the ceo gets fired or comes or goes like what the hell um the the point of that whole rant is that we are part of this industry and i think that's really important and really vital and i'm i'm not gonna challenge other trans folks to fight the fight i want trans folks to just live their fucking lives um, I think I think part of fighting the fight for us is living our lives. So I've always said that every time I line up to race, that is a statement. Every time I show up to the start line, I am I am putting out a statement that I am trans. I am here. I deserve to be here. There is the space for me on this start line, and I am racing this goddamn race. Yeah. Whether I lose, whether I get on the podium, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So as much as it is, yes, we just want to live our lives living our lives or doing what we love in this case bike racing is a statement and it is political and it is taking a stand yeah it is i mean uh i just talked to so many parents that have trans kids you know young trans kids uh and young adults that are trans bike racers and there's definitely like a lot of them that don't want to be out and i think that's an important thing to like i really respect that like i've never really had that like as a transgendered woman, like, you know, like, and 
you know, uh, I think that is important to have people like you, Evelyn and I, and, you know, Tara that are out and we're loud and vocal and public. And then I also think it's important for us that are out to really like, uh, what's the right way to say it and create space, but, you know, like also create the space within these communities for people to just live their lives, which may be, you know, like just want to be a woman, another oh, girl to bike yeah. race. You know? Sorry. I should, I should yeah. say, I should say that yeah. like we need, we need, or maybe we need it or we are getting there that we don't need the super, like the out loud, proud. <clears throat> that would be the end goal is that people right. don't need to be out loud proud. They show up to a bike race and it's not a big deal. That right. would be great. That's how I feel racing in Canada. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. <clears throat> no one ever gives a crap. When right. I race in the States, it's a whole different story. That's when every time I, there's eyes on me on that start line. And that's yeah. when I need to take that stand. Racing in Canada, I know everyone I race with. And like, I've never had a problem racing in Canada. Yeah. It seems to be a problem that unfortunately is tied to the U.S. Um, I know Canada in the past has had problems. I like, won't say that our country is perfect. Um, I know that there have been examples of transphobia specifically in cycling in Canada in the past. Yeah. But in like my modern road race world, it's never come up. But it has several times whenever I go down to race in the states. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and for me, I've I've been asked I've been asked by trans people. I've been asked by cis people. Like like why why do you do this to yourself? It's usually why do you do this to yourself, right? Um, and and I think part of it for for me personally is the fact that. I, I guess I'm I'm old enough, I'm bitter enough, and I'm I'm enough of a brick that like I I don't have to give a shit, right? Like I'm not I'm not having to to care, but I am to a degree doing this to so that so that if there's one other trans woman, two other ten other trans women who don't have to take the heat, fine, lob it at me, right? Because to Molly's point before, right? Like I've got, all right, I don't have any sponsors, but <laughs> you know, I I don't have to necessarily care. I'm privileged in that way, right? Um, I'm gonna show up and ride my bike, race my bike regardless. Even if they tell me I can't race my bike, I'm still gonna show up and race my bike. Um, but that's just kind of who I am. Um, yeah, but... I love that. So I know we only have an hour. Um, we probably only have another five or 10 minutes to chat. And the the stuff we were just talking about really is kind of what's driving a lot of the conversations and work I'm doing, which is more exposure. And someone like Tara, I know you're out. I know you're public. And, you know, uh, I know that you're happy being a, a spokesperson for, you know, transgender folks and cycling and, and particularly the bike industry. I mean, you and I have a very deep bike industry um, background, but when I'm, so the other thing, yeah, it's not just cycling, right? You know, we are here talking about cycling and talking about cyclocross and then we kind of back up out of this and I'm like, how do we make this change? And if we're really trying to change stuff in Arkansas before this world cup and before the world championships, Again, like I would love for the race to happen 
and for those laws to either be, you know, frozen because of a lawsuit or, you know, there's the best case scenarios, obviously they go away and disappear. Um, really the best case scenario for me is that I, I, even if it's just Tara and I as these like old crotchety bastions of like trans rights can just break the fucking stale bike industry and how stuck it is. And because we're so invested in cycling, you know, like I'm, I was born in the South. I was born in Texas and I'm in cycling and I'm a part of the queer community, but I can't go to Arkansas and tell Arkansas what to do. Right. And as like, these races are only there because of money and brands. And so, you know, I'm going to do what I can within cycling to affect the money and the brands to do the right thing, which can look like a few different things. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I think Austin has something to say. Yeah, please jump in here. Somebody save me or I'm going to just keep saying words. I, I don't think this is totally related to that or the, the previous discussion we were having. But um, I think, I, I guess it, 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 I remembered that um, USEC has, they have addressed this. They have put out a statement and they have put out an action, which is an inclusion summit mm. in Arkansas. And I think the fact that like, that hasn't even been part of the conversation and like, it's all, it's already flown off the radar is like a testament to just like how much of like a hopeless and useless effort that is. And I guess I was curious if, Anybody has feelings about the Inclusion Summit? I I know you said this isn't a working group necessarily. Did you get like, invited to it? Did uh, any of us get invited to this thing? It's brands. No. I, the brands get invited. <laughs> oh, um, so again, they get to have like, instead of just a phone call to discuss the trans people without trans people being there, now they get to have a meeting about the trans people without trans people being there. So the, that, that was the week that I was heavily on the phone with Rob and I, I can, it's a kind of confidential, but it's not like at this point, whatever. Oh, he already threw us all under the bus and, well, on single track. And, and so that's the point. It. I mean, he threw himself under the bus ultimately and he knows it, but I was like, I have no sympathy for you. You know, like you're a CEO of an organization. Like if Molly Cameron can control her messaging, why the fuck can't you control your messaging? Like, uh, but that week I literally told him, here's what you have to do as little words as possible, just come up with one action, any fucking action. Even if your action plan is, Hey, we're going to take our time and give us another week to assess the situation. And then we will, we were, we will internally come back with an action plan and we're actively trying to find trans people to talk to. And no, where the fuck is I have it here? Because I have all these notes on it. They came out with this two page, two pages mm-hmm. press release. There's nothing of, there's nothing in this press release. And, and then their action plan is to call a summit with specialized in Canyon and allied and a coalition of like-minded influential advocates and industry partners. And I'm like, oh. so this, I get this email with like five or six other people and Tara, I don't think you're on it from Rob and a couple other, like the night before they put it out. And I immediately wrote it back like two sentences. I, I, I can dig up my email, but like, this is totally wrong and a disaster. Don't send this press release out. Calling a summit in the state that the community that is being marginalized here wants to boycott is the wrong thing to do. 
And the last thing any of us want to do too is help the bike industry fix itself. Like, you know what the right thing is to do. And I sent that and then they sent it out anyways. And that's when I was like, I'm done with you, Zach. Like, no hard feelings. I was helping you for free, giving you great advice and recommendations and counsel and you didn't do anything. And I just was like, this is ridiculous. So I've continued to make that clear to them and to uh, the organizations that are kind of hosting the summit and like, again, the money. I mean, I'm just going to where I can, if I can get in touch with the money I am. And I mean, I've already, I mean, even today I was on a call and yesterday I was on two calls with people behind the money. And I'm like, yeah, like, are there any trans people involved? And I don't want to be, if I boycott anything, I'm going to boycott this stupid summit. Like, why the hell would I go and help the bike industry save itself? I'm not here to burn the bike industry down at all. Like I'm invested. I'm not going anywhere, but like, this makes no sense. You know, it's the bike industry is really good about talking about itself to itself and within itself. And it's just amazing. And again, this is this dynamic and this structure that I would love other ideas and and thoughts about how to shift it and how to, get this deer in the headlights thing and just be like, you need to talk to other people, like bring in other, anybody other than 45 to 65 year old straight white men that they're all good dudes. They are, we're all good dudes. We don't discriminate, but like, you're not doing anything. And the things you're doing are ineffectual. And uh, sorry, another rant, please. Somebody else talk. I, mean, I got to shut the hell up. I, I think that these um, it's also like, we're talking about the importance of like, having these conversations in like a really genuine and sincere way. And I think they, that's what they have sort of convinced themselves. These ideas like inclusion summits are, but that's, that's not the same. Like that, that is not like meaningful interaction with someone. That's not the same as like the person coming to you, like a sponsor coming to you and being like, let's like, let's talk about this. It's not the same as going on a ride with these people. It is this, weird performative space where there's a stage and there's probably microphones and it's like people talking at people and it's just that is not that is not the conversation that that is not like fostering genuine connections with people that is a show more than anything yeah that's all cycling knows i something i found just interesting sorry austin i'm gonna plug your sponsor here pratt came to me as well as several other trans people to talk about this issue and to talk about our, our experience as athletes. Um, and that was something that I was just so impressed with to have it's yes, it's a smaller bike company, but to have, you know, the head of this bike company sit down and be like, Hey, I have time on a zoom. I'm going to be talking to a bunch of people. I want to talk to you. You know, can I get your input on this? I thought that was incredible. Um, so good on Pratt for that. But also I would love to see that from more brands. I'd love to see that from my own sponsors. I would love yeah. to see that from may, all the major USA bike brands and any athletes that are in their roster or in their wings, get them on your, get them on dial, like talk to your athletes. Yeah. It's not that your sponsors don't know a trans person considering I worked there for a long enough time, right? Yes. Like it's there. Again, it goes back to, you know, what we were talking about an hour ago, right? Like these people know who we are. They have, they have our numbers, right? Like I've met Sinyard many times. I've talked to Sinyard before, met Burke before. Yeah. Friendly with Stan Day, friendly with all the folks from Shimano, know all the folks at at Cannondale. 
like where are the folks, right? Like they can pick up the call, they can pick up the phone, call me, shoot me an email, shoot me a text. They can do the same for Molly. Yeah. But they're not. So well, I still I'm being pretty generous. I'm still holding a little bit of space and being super generous because again, I'm not here to burn it all down. Uh, you know, as much as I'm kind of tapping out a little bit from USA cycling, um, because I feel like we've all done enough there and we've, you know, like the, 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 the time for free help and them not listening is over. And, uh, but I'm holding space for the large, the bike industry at large to take a little more time. I mean, Tara, you and I are both disgusted and frustrated by the industry, but we also know how slow these brands are. And I'm not, I'm also, I'm also a very hopeful person, you know, like I, I do truly like, I do believe in people and that may be a failing of mine where I answers and, you know, like, and I get burned a lot and I get flicked a lot, but I would rather hold that and like have that be like a possibility that like, okay. And maybe I am going to start chasing people around and, you know, uh, but I'm also considering the actions I can take. I mean, you know, even something like, like actually boycotting this stupid fucking seminar summit that they haven't even announced yet. And I'm like, the, the, you, the fact they can't see the optics and how bad that is on, I'm just like mind blown. And, but that's not, again, I'm not shocked. I'm just like, of course, but. So like in relation to the giving, giving brands time, giving, giving brands time to come to a realization, right? Um, It doesn't take a brand that much time to come to a realization to do a press release or a video when an athlete does something really good, right? When one of their athletes goes and wins a race unexpectedly, they've got videos, they've got social media posts, they have interviews, they've got a signature bike, they got all that stuff ready to go the Monday, maybe the Tuesday after if there was a holiday. So these things can happen. The, the, yes, the bicycle industry does tend to move at a glacier's pace, but these things can happen. We see them happen. We see them build action plans to do things, to talk about things like a new bottom bracket standard or a new full suspension system or how good a new disc brake mount is. But where are they to build the action plan to talk about the rights of 10% of the people in the United States? Right, and and I don't think that calling a few of us to a summit in Arkansas is the right way to inform themselves on this plan. I think the right way is to hire people. And I mean, I, I just, just so all of you know, I mean, this is literally to the point what I'm trying to make happen with some of the money on the ground. I mean, there's a lot of money. It's not just Walton money. I mean, when you say the Walton money, there are actually like several, if not a couple dozen. And uh, there's probably at least a dozen organizations that are actually Walton backed that actually kind of have effect on the bike industry and these races and the cities. Um, and, it, and again, they're billion, billionaires, hundreds of billionaires, hundreds of, bil- I don't even know the right way to say it. So rich. I don't even know how to say it that 
there's money being thrown around there and they do see this as a problem to be fixed in one way or another. That said, I know that they just want to have this race. They want to promote Northwest Arkansas. They want to promote Fayetteville. They want to show that Northwest Arkansas is a fantastic place to live and work for Walmart. They really desperately want, I mean, that's, this isn't a new thing with the Waltons. I mean, they've been doing this for years. They're huge art collectors. It's not just the brothers, you know, the brothers, because they're mountain bikers, they're these kind of like the grandsons are the sole focus, but I think their aunts and their parents and they, you know, there's a large philanthropy thing here. And, and again, I, I was, I won't ramble on too much about it, but that's when I can in any org d- there that listens, I just say, show us the money. Let's create some content. I told you, Sack, I was like, you guys need to pay me to produce a video explaining what any new transgender athlete has to do to race in the category of their choosing. There's oh, no God. information on USAC's website or anything. You can find it in the rule book, but who wants to fucking download a PDF and dig through a rule book that like, no, there needs to be a simple YouTube video and like, sure, it or Tara and I can do it or we can get Ch- Chelsea, the no, pro no, Chelsea do it. you know, <laughs> and I'm just like, why don't you have this? And, but again, are they doing it? No. That is so, like a personal, no, yeah. uh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. That is like no, a personal please. quest of mine right now. Like I think yeah. um, the cycle, there's a major cycle cross series in Portland um, that has, um, uh, I, f- I forget the name. Do you, do you know the names of the, the series? Molly? Is it the Alpha? trophy cup? Not or is it the one. cross crusades cycle cross, cross crusades, crusades. Um, yes. in their rules like about in rules info i think it's yes. the second the second thing is the usac's like trans and gender non-conforming policy yeah. and it that is like my i my personal crusade is like that is a thing that is fleshed out every usac event every event that is a usac yeah. event is in theory has to adhere to that and there is no reason that event organizers can't just put they could crib the one that cross crusade uses and put it in their series info and about that would have gotten me racing a year before that i started because i would have at least seen somewhere like oh there's a framework for this and because this is a usac event i can participate and that is like the easiest thing that event organizers can do and i would like encourage any event organizer who's listening to this like add that to your series info and about rules because that will it, it, it could make a huge difference it will make somebody say oh wow i can participate this there is a system and i am i am i'm able to slot into it i'm not uh I'm not completely shaking things up. Other people have done this and they like, it's already been carved out. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good to hear. Small plug for Obra. Even and I will, I will say, you know, all these organizations, believe me, Obra has been fucking problematic over the years. And I, I don't know if all of you know that, but um, I started racing in the Bay area and did men's races. And then when I transitioned in the like mid nineties, I started racing and I raced women's races and, you know, I came up in women's racing and got to the whatever elite level. And then at the time, Obra followed USA Cycling's. Um, at the time, this was the early 2000s. I want to say it was like, oh, three or four or five. And the rule basically was like, well, you have to have a doctor's notes showing you have a vagina. Like, that's it. That was like from the IOC to USAC and then the Obra called USAC. So I have had such a long history. And then and, in and that point, that's when I went back to i quit racing at that point for a year or two and then i started racing in again because i loved racing and i couldn't race in the women's races because i didn't have a vagina and now the science and the rules have progressed and i'm not saying they're perfect but they're in a better place 
Obra has done a really good job, a really incredible job. I, I, I have a very long and complicated history with the local race organization, but the board right now and their DEI work, basically it's all that company, the organization has done in the last two years is DEI work. And it's been kind of incredible to witness from the outside. Last thing I wanted to do was be on the board of directors. I was like, y'all handle this, like figure it out. And there's more women and, you know, uh, gender non-conforming and transgender and people of color on the board. I mean, it's pretty awesome. And so Austin, it's so, so fucking awesome to hear you say that because yeah, that's something I'm driving home to. This is really simple shit. Like all this stuff is really, really low hanging fruit yeah. and it doesn't hurt any promoter or any event, but it's like, I never had that. I was getting yelled at and screamed at, you're not a woman. You know, my whole experience in racing was fucking horrible. Like, you know, and I know that had it been a little different, even with language on the race flyer or in the second paragraph of the, the rules, uh, or that would makes a big difference. And again, like, it's not about me at this point. It's about kids. It's about like all these kids mm. and all these parents that reach out to me and all these young trans folks that are like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I'm taking testosterone. Cause I'm a dude now, but like, I don't, what can I do? And, and, um, you know, there's, there's no help for them. So it's, I come from, I started in the red hook crit circuit, um, which has always been a little bit more progressive. Yeah, it was, it's been in as long as I was racing red hook. So the last, I guess 2018, 2019, it was like right up there in their rule list. Like it was so obvious. It was so easy to find. And that's why I, that's how I started bike racing. Cause I came from triathlon. Um, I transitioned and then I didn't feel comfortable in triathlon spaces anymore. And here was this race organization that was, you know, fairly large with right in their rules. It's like race in your like race, according to your gender identity, like done Amazing. easy was there. It was so easy. And so, and just that sport, that community was fantastic. But what I found was the first time I went and raced in the United States, um, at fixation open, um, where I met Austin for the first time. Um, and it was interesting because I, I won a race in this series and I'd been racing on this circuit for a little while and no one ever cared. No one ever would bat an eyelash because I'd never won. I won a race in the Chicago race and suddenly people were like, can she do that? Is that allowed? I'd raced four other races on this fixation circuit. No one, no one cared. It's when I won that people went to the officials and said, is this allowed? Like there was nothing, you know, on that circuit, there was no official posting and therefore it let people, you know, raise a fuss about it. Yeah. Those people I the their experience. went and yeah. since like did research and like, I'm now actually friends with some of those people mm, yeah. um, who, because this experience caused them to challenge their own beliefs. Again, having trans people show up for races is a great way to change perspectives. Yeah. But yeah, as Austin said, putting something just right in the top of the rules makes it so much easier. It stops that question yeah. from even happening. Yeah. But I think, I think what we're talking about is something that's something that is important. It's something that we're, so we're seeing this happen at a local level, right? Like, Austin and Molly have seen it happen with Obra. You've seen it happen um, with with Red Hook, right? I'm seeing this happening right now with CRCA, right? And and the awesome work that CRCA is doing, you know, here in the in the NYC area. The 
local organizations are dialed because they're actually on the pulse of stuff. They're actually dealing with the athletes on the daily. They're seeing that this does not affect things and they're taking an outward stance because they know that this is affecting their members, Rob. Um, that they, they're able to be engaged. And I think that's what we're all looking for here is a bit of engagement, right? Whether that engagement is coming from the NGB of USA Cycling, or it's coming from the IOC, or it's coming from UCI, whoever it might be coming from, we're looking for engagement. We need to get some of that happening. Yeah. That's, that's what's not happening right now. And... I, I feel like we need to wrap up. I mean, I'm sure Bill <laughs> Bill would love it if this kept going for another hour. But Bill's got two episodes out of this now. <laughs> so there's a lot of work to do. It was really, really, really great to hear each of your experiences and uh, particularly Austin and Evelyn. I mean, I don't know either of you. So it was really sweet, super lovely to, to see your faces and hear your voices. Um, nice to meet you too. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a liquid, it's a, the stuff is definitely moving behind the scenes, but I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you what the hell's going to happen in the next two or three months. I mean, I think we can all agree on what is probably going to happen, but Molly Cameron's yeah. going to win cyclocross <laughs> in Arkansas. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ellen. <laughs> um, Celine is going to whoop you. I'm sorry. You know, like I was saying, I, I'm I'm a hopeful person. Um, at the end of the day, the world keeps moving. You know, like and and I want trans folks to be healthy and happy. And and I would love it if we all could race bikes and find our place in cycling. But at a certain point, if cycling continues to tell us they don't want us, we're gonna find other amazing shit to do. There's plenty of other cool stuff to spend money on, and things to get into, and industries to support. And I mean, Tara, you're saying that like the whole industry and establishment really doesn't understand that not only is this a cycling issue, this is like a huge human rights disaster. And I think it's going to take time for that to set in. And yeah, we have a incredibly slow moving industry that we're trying to change. So hang tough. I'm here. If any of you, I mean, I, I you don't all have my number, but I'll make sure you all get my digits. And seriously, you can text me anytime or call me and, um, I guess full-time advocacy is what I do now. I haven't ridden bikes in a couple weeks and, um, yeah, I'm probably going to be in Arkansas soon, honestly. And that's a topic for another, another time, but I'm going to head down there and get on the ground because I want to talk to the queers and the transgender folks in the community and then hopefully get with the money and again, Austin, it's relationships and just like bridging that gap and yeah, I'll shut up. Yeah, thanks. I think one one big takeaway I'm I'm getting from this and hearing you be like talk about your process and talk about like I don't know being self critical about it is that I think we do have to find pressure points that we can organize around that we can all sort like a sort of picket line that we can agree we're not going to cross. We don't know if that's a boycott. We don't necessarily know what that is, but I think it is important that there is a sort of unified front that we can provide. But I it is also 
important that like all of us have a different relationship with this and we have different capacities and we're going to attack it on like a personal level in a very different way. And I think it's, it's, it is okay. And it's probably important that we have different attitudes and are able to make a ruckus and make a fuss in distinct and unique ways. Um, because we, we need the unified front in some ways, but we're all, we're all going to carry a little bit of ourselves into the, into the like interactions and relationships that we, we build and the conversations we have. And that's just the, the reality of it. Um, which is, a, I think a positive thing. Yeah. That's incredible. I love hearing that. That's awesome. I'm going to jump in here. Um, <clears throat> this was the first time that I was able to be a listener to my own podcast. So it was a little bit of an outer, out of body experience that I enjoyed immensely. It was a great conversation. I, I, I really just thank all of you for, for being, being a part of it and take, taking the time to, to, to take over the show. Uh, and I think that people will get a lot out of this as, as I did. So thank you very much. Thanks, Phil. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for um, opening up the floor. Are you going to stop recording? I am stopping recording right now. The Slow Ride Podcast. Three idiots who are usually wrong. The Slow Ride Podcast. The titanium of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. It's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast. The Zwift Racing of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast. The Arrow Helmet of Podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast. When's Lance gonna sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast. The experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official Fan Experience Zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast. The gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Both vertically and horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.